and welcome to Let's Dive In. It's our little podcast. Where we have a go at answering questions all about life, the universe and everything in it. I'm Phil. And I'm Julie. So let's dive in. Hey, Julie. Hey, Phil. So I want to tell you, a really funny thing happened this week. Another funny, like certainly something funny happens to you every week. I mean, surely it's my jokes when you hear. Yes, them. yes, there's jokes. Go. No, please, please keep those to a minimum today. No, no jokes today. This time, two people I know sent me some super cool facts about water. Like randomly, just I mean, out of the. Do you mean like out of the blue? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not a joke. Completely appropriate. Oh, very nice. Okay, you can um, have that one. No, it wasn't. Well, it's sort of totally out of the blue, but it's basically because they know I like super cool science facts and, you know, why not? Do you want to hear them? Show it at me. Let me hear it. Okay. So the first one comes from a familiar voice. This is Nick Roden, and he was the oceanographer that we spoke to last year about why the sea is salty. My favourite water fact relates to the ocean, of course. Did you know that the ocean covers about 70% of the Earth's surface? It's so deep and vast that it hides the world's longest mountain chain, the Mid-Oceanic Ridge, which stretches for nearly 65,000 kilometres. As oceanographers, we spend a lot of time thinking about what else might be hiding down there. Ah, I mean, Nick always delivers with something like that. I I was going to call him old salty Nick there, but that's, that's mad. Okay, so the second one comes from Sri Vedachalam, and he's a water policy expert. And what that means is that he helps tell the bosses of the world how to manage all the water that we use and the water that we don't use to make sure it's clean and safe. Cool, that sounds like a pretty important job. Let's see if this is a pretty important fact. My favourite water fact is that water is renewable, but we do not create any new water. It simply moves from one form to another, from water to steam, for instance, and from one location to another, for example, from the headwaters to the ocean. Unless happening naturally, it requires a lot of energy to move water across space or form. And that's why we should protect our water sources, whether they are in our backyard or around the world. Whoa, I'm pretty... Two, like, I mean, just the fact that you were said, not only two facts, but two pretty snazzy facts is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So I thought, because we were sent these two super cool water facts this week, why don't we tackle the question that we got from our listeners, which was all about water? My name is Rosa, I'm six. I want to ask you both, how many different kinds of water are there? Thank you. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, like, there's just... There's just kind of one there. I mean, like, it, it, it's kind of in terms of the word here. It, it, there's not a collective word for for liquids. I mean, like, well, I suppose you could say I feel it in me waters. I, but there's nothing like, it's kind of like there's one type of liquid. It's not like food, which describes like all of the amount of things that we eat. So that was my immediate thought at first. But then, then I actually asked some kids how many different types of water they thought there were in the world. Ice. Steam, seawater, polluted water, salt water, fresh water, rainwater, drinking water, heavy water and swamp water. Crocodile water, hippopotamus water and some different types can actually start to grow a bit of sea snot in them so that might change them up a bit. Ah, I knew it. We're on different wavelengths here. They were right. But also, more importantly... 
What on earth is sea stuff? I haven't got a clue. I think we need to get our water expert in to help us answer the question. Because clearly we've all got very different ideas about water. So, Phil, will you introduce our water expert for us, please? Well, what do you know? I actually have one right here because our expert for this question is my dad. Dad, welcome to the podcast. Delighted to be here, my son. (laughs) That was so fake. You're not delighted to be here at all, you (laughs) <laughs> uh, Julie, I mean, this must be a thrill for you to meet, you know, something that spawns something as great as me. I call you Brian. Well, Brian, it is a pleasure to meet you. And uh, just, I suppose, for our listeners, uh, Brian, Dad, Dad, Brian, uh, why do you have an expertise or why are we talking to you about water? I have spent a lifetime working on providing and preserving and enhancing the level of service in relation to water supply and drainage within Dublin City. Now, listeners, I should warn you, uh, uh, my dad, Brian, he's quite, uh, how should I put this, um, concise and brief and quite, you know, just direct in his answers. But that's okay. That's absolutely fine because you and I, Phil, we can, we can fill in the details. Okay. So shall we dive in? Oh, <laughs> it's actually appropriate this time. Oh, let's dive in. So, uh, the sound effect. Go on, play it, play it, play it. Brian, what is water made of? H2O. <laughs> we weren't kidding when we said the answers are going to be brief. <laughs> this is a little joke there. I mean, look, but yes, water is H2O. But what does that actually mean? Okay, so H2O is basically a short way of saying two parts hydrogen, H2, and one part oxygen, the O. So they're like the ingredients of water. The hydrogen and the oxygen are elements, basic building blocks of life here on Earth. And when you take two of those hydrogens and one of those oxygens, you get water. Now, technically, in normal everyday life, like pressure and temperature, there is one type of water, the H2O type. All water, whatever form it's in, is made of these two elements in that combination. But... That water can have stuff in it to make it different types. Although I'm still not sure exactly what type the snot is. It's not clear. You want to know where the water you want to know where the water comes from? That would be a good good follow-up. Well in Ireland, water supply generally comes from two sources. It's either groundwater or surface water. Again, very concise and to the point. Yeah, unlike me. Very much unlike you. Okay, so let's expand a little bit. What we've got now is two different types of water. So we've got the groundwater and the surface water. So let's be clear, as Dad, sorry, Brian, uh, Brian Smith Esquire said, that this is where Irish water supply comes from. Now, what this means is that the water that comes out of your tap or into your bath or your toilet or it's used in your dishwasher or your washing machines, this water starts off as either groundwater or as river water or surface water. So how does it get from the ground and the rivers into our taps? So surface water runs off over the dam usually and into a treatment plant, whereas groundwater is sucked from basically an underground lake or stream. The treatment plants, what do they do? It takes all of the rubbish out of the water. 
Now, the treatment plant is not a leafy green thing that we see outside in gardens and forests or the things in pots in your house. What a water treatment plant is, is it's a facility or a place where all this surface and groundwater goes to be turned into the water that you can drink and use in our houses and offices and poo into wherever you go. And various processes are used to do this. There are physical processes, like physically filtering out the dirt. Then there are biological processes, like animals in the water that help clean up the water or help tell humans if there's dirt or pollutants in the water. And there are chemical processes, where chemicals are put into the water to help collect other bits of dirt that the other two processes didn't get. Now, Brian spent many years working with these treatment plants in Ireland. So what you'll hear over the coming few minutes is all about how things are in Dublin. Yes. Now, before all the ground and surface water reaches the treatment plant, it's collected in huge reservoirs, big human-made lakes where it sits and waits and some biological processes start happening. And one of the interesting things we do is we have trout and trout that live in the lake, freshwater trout, they won't stay in water that's contaminated. So we have a setup in the plant where we have trout in a container. Uh, In that container, one half of it has treated water as it's leaving the plant, and the other half has raw water as it's coming into the plant. When the trout, they will generally stay in the raw water side of the tank. If, however, there's something in there that they don't like, they get out of there and they swim across the clean water where they wouldn't like normally to be. When they do that, that triggers an alarm and bells start ringing all over the plant. Because we know now there's something coming in that has a problem because the trout got out of the raw water. I think this is so unbelievably cool. I mean, nature has created these fish that have evolved over millions and millions of years to swim away from things that are bad for them. And now humans are using that evolutionary skill to help them. I think it's brilliant. So what it means is that the trout in the reservoirs aren't just for fishing. No, they are part of the water treatment process. Okay, so let's go now to when the water comes into the treatment plant. Just before it does that, the water is tested and the trout help with that. And then really large bits of debris and all the big stuff like logs and branches are taken out. Then Dad, sorry, Brian, was telling us about the chemical processes taking place inside the treatment plant. The water all comes into the plant through the intake pipe. When it gets to the plant then we add aluminium sulphate to the water. Because what's within the raw water is very high levels of small particles, rotting leaves, uh, or everything that's in a, in a lake. And its job is to combine small stuff together to make it big so it won't float. And they go from there into what we call a sedimentation tank, which allows the larger particles to settle to the bottom of the tank. So all this heavy stuff sinks to the bottom and it's scraped away. Then what happens? It then goes into filter beds where the water is filtered through different layers of different sized aggregate. We have large stones and they get progressively smaller till we get to the top where you have very fine sand. And what that does is that traps anything that has got through the settlement tank is then trapped in the sand, in the filter beds. And clear water is drawn off the top of the filter bed. What happens after that is we chlorinate it to disinfect it. 
it's chlorinated as it leaves the, the plant and that kills any bugs that have found their way through. So we've heard about the biological processes with the trout and now the physical processes with the sediment tanks and the chemical processes with the aluminium sulphate and the chlorine. And actually, we can make our very own physical water filter system at home with things that you have lying around the house. Yes, you can filter your own water by making your own filter bed. You've actually made one of these, haven't you, Julie? Yes, yes, I have. So I put one together last weekend with the kids and all we needed were just these few things that we had actually at home already, which was great. So we had three glass jars or glass cups, drinking cups, um, one plastic cup with a small hole at the bottom, three coffee filters and then some gravel and some sand. To put your water filter together, get your plastic cup with the hole in it. Maybe get a grown-up to help with that part. Place the three coffee filters at the bottom of the cup, covering the hole, and then yes. put the oh, sand so in. Nova, you put a scoop of sand in, right in the middle of the filter. Okay. Me? And Tycho, now you get to put a scoop of sand in. And then, and then the gravel on yeah. top of that. You each take... A few pebbles, Nova first. They love pebbles. Then put the whole thing sitting on top of an empty glass cup. Now, the kids and I actually collected water from a local pond nearby our house. But you could just use your own tap water and throw some dirt in, give it a good stir, and voila, you've got dirty water. Take your dirty water and divide it equally into the two glass cups. Then put one aside so that you can compare with it later and pour the water from the other cup into your plastic cup. Before we pour it in, what do we think is going to happen? I think all the sand and pebbles is going to catch all the little and big things inside here and then what will happen is the clean, the a little bit clean water will pour down into here because of the hole in, in the plastic cup. Let's find out. Right, ready, Ness, quietly. There we go. That's clean water. There's no creatures swimming in it. Well, that's a good but sign, isn't it? But in the other one, yeah. there are lots of wiggly ants in it. But nothing in the one that went through the filter? No. Well, most of it is out there's about three things in. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty good, isn't it, for a yeah. filter we made at home? Now, quick note, though. Even though the water that comes out the bottom looks cleaner than when it went in, do not drink it. It has not been properly treated, and there may be other little things in it that the filter didn't get out. Just like in treatment plants, you, you need a chemical process, and there'll be a lot of stuff coming out your bottom, potentially, if you don't do it properly. And where do you think water comes from? Sky, puddle, clouds. Atoms, then it gets stuck in clouds. And then it rains. Salt water might be a bit in the sea and um, you'd find fresh water down in a swimming pool or something. So where would you get water that you could drink? 
We would be passed through pipes. Now, the kids mentioned seawater and salty water a lot in their answers, but your dad didn't when he explained where our drinking water comes from. True, true, that's fair, but he was talking specifically about the drinking water here in Dublin. In other parts of the world, they do use seawater to make drinking water. Now, if you've ever tasted seawater, it does not taste good. So what people use is they use a process called desalination, which is basically a fancy way of saying taking the salt out of the water. In, in arid countries, how we say deserts and the like, they use high levels of desalinated water. But desalinated water is very hard to treat. Secondly, there have been some experiments in Ireland in relation to desalination. The people here won't drink it. Why won't we drink it, Dad? Tell me. It's a completely different taste and texture and they don't like it. Uh, sorry, what now? The taste I could possibly understand because of the minerals potentially in it, if that's the reason. But the texture? Feels different. It looks different. That's texture. It's, you know, it's, it's different. Have you tasted it? Yes, it's not nice. It leaves a, a gritty, grainy sort of a taste on your mouth. And it's, it's, well, I wouldn't drink it, put it that way. And most people here wouldn't drink it. So one of the other things that we talked about with my dad was even though we produce and clean and prepare all of this water, lots of the pipes in cities around the world are so old. The water mains within Dublin City is about 2,700 kilometres of water mains within the Dublin City area. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Just throwing fact. That's a lot of pipe work. A lot of which is of old online cast iron mains that were laid 70 years or longer ago. Wow. That have never been replaced. But the, the loss of drinking of water from the system having been produced, uh, when I was leaving in Dublin, it was around the 36, 37% of what comes out of the treatment plant is gone, is lost through leaks and water wastage. But lose is a relative term because there is the same amount of water on our planet that there ever was. And where do you think it first came from? It first actually came from some of the dinosaurs who, some of them might have had food and they might have digested into different types of water. That's fascinating. <laughs> well, maybe not quite that, but let's find out with Ashling's fun fact segment. Fun fact segment. Ashling, have you got a jingle this week? Ba, 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 bum, fun fact. Hey, nice to see you. Hi, Ashling. <laughs> yes, sounds like there's puns in this episode. Yes, there are. Full steam ahead. Ha! That's brilliant. Okay, so this episode had a cool question that I had never even thought about before. And after learning all about the different types of water on Earth, I found myself wondering, but how did water get here in the first place? And because it's you, Ashling, I'm sure you went out looking for some answers and I'm looking forward to it. I suppose, so uh, what are you waiting for? Uh... <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that one, actually. Yeah, what are you waiting for? Yeah, gold. Well, it turns out how water arrived on Earth is still a bit of a mystery. Ooh. Lots of textbooks say that when Earth was forming 4.5 billion years ago, all the swirling space dust smashing together was building up a dried out rock because all of Earth's potential water got evaporated away. 
Oh, right, because Earth is so close to the sun and it didn't have an atmosphere yet at that time. Yeah. And the atmosphere acts a bit like, um, oh, like a pot lid that keeps the water vapour from escaping when you're cooking, for example. Yeah, perfect. So what you're saying is like the water evaporated. So it's like, so long, early water, you'll be missed. <laughs> missed. Oh, no. <laughs> Chemistry jokes. I'm just hoping to get a reaction <clears throat> from you. <laughs> nope. Nope, I refuse to laugh. What? No, sorry, no. My water jokes are great. Uh, it's probably just you, truly. Um, your humour is probably just too uh, dry. Uh, <laughs> Ashlyn, you traitor! Don't ah, laugh. Ashling laughed. Ashling laughed. Oh, man. No, Ashling laughed. No, no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> so the textbook idea was that once things settled down. Earth got its water from icy comets and meteorites from outside our solar system, raining down over many years like some kind of a cosmic hailstorm. Oh, okay. I'm being serious now. No more puns at the moment. It does sound that makes sense because then like Earth's atmosphere probably acted like a pot lid and kept that water in. Yeah. But recently, a study in 2020 suggested that Earth might actually have had the ingredients to make its own water all the way from the beginning. It wasn't just a dried out baby rock, but one that had liquid potential. Aha, I see what you did there. So when you're talking about ingredients of water, you mean hydrogen and oxygen, the the H2O. Yeah, it's possible that some of the rocks that formed Earth had either hydrogen or oxygen locked safely away inside them. Oh, and because it was trapped inside the rocks, it couldn't get evaporated away. And under the right circumstances, these rocks could have combined to make water. Okay, well, but how do rocks combine to make water? Just bash them together. Okay, well, for your recipe, you've got hydrogen-filled rocks on one hand and oxygen-filled rocks on the other hand, and then you kind of melt them down together in this big old bowl of liquid-hot magma, and they combine into dissolved water, and then... Kaboom! The steam is erupted out of volcano and joins up in the water cycle by condensing and falling back down gently to Earth to fill our oceans where we can all enjoy it quite happily. Wow. So what you're saying is that Earth maybe had all the ingredients to make water all along and that they possibly were erupted out of volcanoes and then just rained down. It's the simplified version, but yes. Or this could have been in combination with the icy comet theory too. Okay, this sounds like a pretty dramatic recipe just to make water. But I guess my kitchen is also left in a kind of cosmic chaos after my kids have been trying to bake a cake. So (laughs) I get where you're going here. Yeah, I mean, the drama in the kitchen, right? This is exactly a great example of how our understanding of science is continually being refined and updated. Yeah, I like this. Well done, Ashley. Thanks for uh, plumbing the depths of this watery mystery. Mm, (laughs) It's just never ending. Okay, well, I'll see you both next week. Bye. Hey, Julie, look, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. What? Look, look what, what I'm are doing. you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm waving at Ashing. I'm making waves. It's like, you know. Oh, like, no. Too much? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Thank you all so much for making it to the end of our Let's Dive In show. We love making these shows for you. But of course, there's more to it than just having some fun. This show wouldn't be possible without Science Foundation Ireland. Our coordinators, Lorna, Sharon and Avian at UCD Explore. And of course, the one who oversees it all, Nikki Coughlin. And the one who oversees Nikki and everything else, Suzanne Kelly. Finally, a big, huge and giant thank you goes to you, our listeners, for listening and also 
also for sending in your questions. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. So please like, share, subscribe and give us a review if you've enjoyed it. And if you feel so inclined. I mean, we're very much obliged. So thank you and And bye. bye.